Hello and welcome to an hour from Tower Podcast, the podcast that brings you the people and personalities of the College of St. Scholastica. After a long layoff, it's been way too long since our last guest before the holidays, we're back with a vengeance today. One of my favorite people on campus, Brett Amundsen, is here, the Dean of the School of Arts and Sciences. I think that's right now. It's changing, right? It's officially right as of last week, I believe. There we go. So, yes, there we I've go. had to practice over break. Yes, yes. Over and over again. Well, this will be high energy and a lot of fun. Brett's one of the, the first people that I met when I came to campus, and I actually have ties to Brett from you know his undergraduate days, so I, I was warned about, you got to, well, I have to say warned. You got to connect with Brett was what I had heard. So I, so we're going to sit down today and have a little chat. So Brett, glad to be, have you here. Thanks for being a guest in the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah. So as we do always with the podcast, just a, you know, kind of a, a journey. You're, you, I, I didn't realize you, you've been here 12 years. I, I, it's, I don't know. I don't know how old you are. I don't need to know how old you are. But I, you, I swear, if you've been here 12 years, you started when you were like 12. <laughs> I, I mean, it is my sense that I have. But. Talk to me about your journey here. How did you land here yeah. at Scholastica? Yeah, um, I came when I was 12. <laughs> yeah. no, I I, no, I, um, so I'll start, you know, back a little bit. I'm from Minnesota originally. I went to Coon Rapids High School. I lived in Coon Rapids my whole life. Um, I'm a proud Cardinal. I, I loved my time there and had great experiences. Um, and then I went to St. John's University, which is what you yep. just mentioned yep. for my undergrad and again, had just such a transformative experience that really shaped what kind of educator I wanted to be and where I wanted to be teaching and um, the types of values that I had. Um, I worked for the St. John's Boys Choir, which was an extremely formative experience. Um, and then right out of undergrad, I started teaching at Cathedral High School in St. Cloud. So I could also stay connected with the, the Boys Choir at the time. Um, you know, just like any place that you live, you start to develop connections. And I developed connections with the choral director at St. Cloud State, who is now a really huge name, Lee Nelson, mm -hmm. um, in the field. And he said to me, after my first year at Cathedral, he said, you know, I can give you basically a free ride if you conduct this choir. Here's the problem. The choir meets at two or something, mm -hmm. four days a week. Mm -hmm. And so as a, you know, 23-year-old, first year, um, I went to my principal and I said, her name is Lynn Gruing, um, an amazing woman. Yeah. And uh, she's, I said, you know, I've got this cool opportunity, but it would mean that I would have to miss the last two hours of the day. Yeah. And she, without hesitation, she said, seems like a great opportunity. We'll make it work. Oh, wow. And so yeah, I just kind of got chills thinking about yeah, it, you know, yeah. to revisit that. Yeah. Because just for somebody to to give you that green light um, to help support you in your, whatever the endeavor is. Yeah. And not take anything away, not say, but we're going to put you back to point eight. Yeah. Like that, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I got my master's while I was teaching at Cathedral. And honestly, I had never even thought about getting my master's. I thought I was going to be a high school choir teacher my whole life. Yeah. Um, and then after that master's, Lee, or I was, as it was ending, Lee Nelson, my mentor, said, so where are you going to get your doctorate? <laughs> and again, I thought, what? Why? You know, like, yeah. um, although I had learned a lot in working with him and working with the college choir. And um, I ended up going to the University of Washington. Um, and then shortly after, I mean, great time out there, great experiences. And then shortly after, 
um, I started looking for jobs and St. Scholastica came open, which was nice because I had connections in the state from a choral perspective. Uh -huh. um, it's a Benedictine institution, so it aligned with the values that I had really gotten at St. John's and grown up with. And um, so when I started, I was actually 27 here okay. at CSS. So relatively young for a faculty member. Yeah. And yeah, I've been here for 12 years yeah. um, in a variety of roles. Yeah. You mentioned you, you always thought you'd end up being a high school choir teacher forever. When you were in high school, did you think you'd end up in education? Like people ask me all the time, you know, did you think you'd end up in college administration when you're in high school? I'm like, I was a first generation college student. I didn't even think I'd go to college. Yeah. Right. So what has, has like the love of teaching music always been with you? Yeah, I think the love of teaching has been with me. Um, I was also a first-gen first college student. And, um, you know, just actually recently, I had an interesting conversation with my parents over Thanksgiving where they recognized that. You know, my, I think my dad said something like, sometimes your mom and I talk about how we weren't able to kind of give you what you needed during that transition because we didn't know ourselves. Uh -huh. And so that's always kind of an interesting thing to reflect on. Uh -huh. um, because you're always looking backward, and you, I don't really know yeah. how what I thought or yeah. or what it was like. But um, I knew that I wanted to be in education in some way, and I had very I had amazing high school teachers that I'm still connected with now. Yeah. Um, that you know I knew I wanted to be like them. Uh -huh. I wanted to impact people's lives like they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. You know, I I think um, I think all that resonates. Somebody asked me once. Like, go back to your kindergarten self. What did you want to do? And I always knew I wanted to help people, right? So in this role, that's yeah. what I get to do, right? I thought I would be high school history teacher is what I thought I would do. And then it was history and it, and it, didn't, it didn't change. I, I don't know. <laughs> of course, of course it didn't change. But, um, you know, but just being able to help people, I think, was, was the huge part for me. Yeah. And I think there was always something that I... I mean, even since I was young, that I loved the creativity of the arts, whether it was theater or making, you know, kind of composing music, which wasn't really music at the time, or yeah. or being a part of a group that was both the artistic side, but also the community that it, that brought, you know, brought with it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there was part of that, like mm -hmm. developing meaningful community. Sure. That sure. was interesting to me. Yeah. Seriously, even as like, I, when I was in middle school, I would put on these summer plays that I would direct. Yeah. Um, and, you know, every family member that lived by us, if you were my cousin, you were going to be involved. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there was kind of that piece always built in to who I was. Yeah. yeah. So you, you arrive here as a choral director, right? And, and then have had different roles. And now as a dean, like, Sometimes I think people outside of education think like a dean, like, yeah. I, I don't know, they think like Dean Wormer from Animal House or, you know, I mean, yeah. whatever else, right? Talk, talk a bit about the, the different jobs you've had here and like, what what is it, what do you do as a dean differently than you do as a choral director? Because you, you still direct choir. I still direct choir Bella Voce, which I'm very, I, I mean, I love it. It's, you know, the best times of the week in mm -hmm. a lot of ways to, to leave conversations about budget or structure, or whatever the, the difficult things we're talking about and then say, at 4.15 on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have to drop all of that and yeah. be with these amazing people yeah. and make music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I started as the director of choral activities. It was the first one that they had here at the college. Uh -huh. um, they had directors of choirs. Uh -huh. You know, they had choirs, but sometimes an adjunct or sometimes it was a, a secondary part of someone's job. Yeah. But I was the first full-time director of choirs. And so at the time, it was to build a program, you know, to, you know, to, to have people recognize 
um, CSS is a place that they can come to sing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think we had a lot of success in doing that. We've had a lot of success in doing that. And along the way, um, I also started teaching in Dignitas. Mm -hmm. um, and I started teaching in Dignitas in part because my own experience at a similar institution had a course like that. And I really loved my, what was called symposium. Um, it was the first course where I had to start to think differently at, in, in college. And um, so I started teaching in that. And I think the year or two after I was teaching in Dignitas, um, Pat Hagen, who had been the longtime director, uh, resigned from the directorship. And so it was open. And I mm -hmm. thought, well, this could be a cool opportunity for me to try my hand in something different and to really make an impact in not just the music area, but the entire institution. Sure. Which I think is maybe the theme of the story mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. and how things have moved. Um, so I became the director of Dignitas. And again, shortly after we were taking a look at revising our gen ed program, I became the chair of that task force. Uh, really awesome. Ta that was a very formative experience for me working with great people here at the institution um, from across the institution mm -hmm. and then having to have conversations with everybody yeah, basically yeah. about what does it look like to integrate a gen ed program. Right. Um, and then after that, once we had developed and implemented, the director of Gen Ed came open. Mm -hmm. So we took that on. And then a few years later, Tammy Ostrander, who was the Dean of School of Arts and Letters at the time and always was very supportive um, and caring about my work and my role in the institution and in the school, stepped down as Dean. And so that position came open. Okay. Okay. And so that kind of moved us to, yep. to where we are here. Yep. But you asked, you know, what, what there, you know, are there similarities between being a choir director and, and the dean or, mm -hmm. you know, how do we get there? And I actually absolutely think that there are similarities. Mm -hmm. um, as a choir director, my job is, you know, to take the people that we've got, help them be the best they can be in multiple ways, but specifically with their voices, yeah. right? Helping them find their voice authentically yeah. and then bringing all those things together to create something much bigger. Yeah and better than what we could have done individually. Yeah. And I see that is almost exactly what my role as Dean is. Hmm. Um, that collectively we've got amazing people here, mm -hmm. amazing faculty and students and staff who are all here for a really specific reason, mm -hmm. right? They, they care deeply about the idea of higher education and liberal education, but they also really wanna make a difference. And so helping people open up that space um, opening up doors, helping see paths for folks, and then trying to bring that all together in a bigger a bigger idea of who are we as the College of St. Scholastica is the fun part of the job. Yeah. And the meaningful part and really what I think, you know, we can continuously work on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because you have impact in, in, in that work because, you, you know, you said you mentioned the St. John's Boys Choir, the Lake Superior Youth Chorus. Um, so you're, you're, you're seeing elementary aged singers all the way through the collegiate singers. Talk about the challenges, the joys, the tribulations of working with musicians, singers along that lifespan. Yeah. Well, you know, back up really quick, just um, so the Lakespear Youth Chorus, I don't know if we've actually talked about it here, but mm -hmm. but the Lakespear Youth Chorus um, is actually in its 30th year this year. Okay. And when I came to interview for this position, uh, Director of Choral Activities at CSS, the man who had been adjunct 
directing choirs. His name is Jerry Caldor, and he was an elementary music teacher in town, Hermantown Elementary, mm-hmm. and a, a phenomenal human being. And he was bringing me back to the airport. And, you know, my experience with the St. John's Boys Choir was so formative that I had said to him, you know, should I get this position, I would also be interested in directing something like a youth choir. I worked with a boys choir. Is there anything like this? And he said, you know, I know that there's a position open next year. What he didn't say was, because I'm the founding director (laughs) of the Youth Chorus. But so, yeah, when when I got the job here at CSS, I also got the job as a director at the Lake Superior Youth Chorus. Um, and at the time, LSYC was very small. It had gone through, you know, some big moments. But then when I came into it with another director, Jenny Campbell, who is amazing and a very close friend now, um, we came to the first rehearsal. And I had, there were two choirs. I had nine kids in my choir. <laughs> And she had 10 kids. Oh, wow. So we had a total yeah. of 19 singers. Yeah. And both of us knew the importance of the work that we could do at something like LSYC. Yeah. So we didn't really give up. You know, we were kind of new to the area, both of us, and new to what's happening. So we had to make a ton of connections. Um, fast forward to today, we have 17 staff members. We have this really strong internship program with, you know, music ed students from here at CSS and UMD and UWS. Um, We have 300 kids in our outreach programs and 175 kids in our resident choirs every year. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just really blown up in a very meaningful um, way for for the singers, for the staff members, um, and for our community, I think. So, you know, the question was, what's it like to see second graders through college? And actually I also started a semi-pro group when I first came here and, you know, those are adults. Um, I just say one of the things that, that guides everything that I do in LSYC, in addition to our, I think, really amazing mission is the fact that I see these students then come to college. Maybe not these exact students, uh-huh. but, you know, we see what transition is like at, at the college level for 18-year-olds who are coming from high school and then moving away from home and having to think about their own schedule and how do I keep things in order and what does it look like for me to be resilient and gritty? Yeah. Um, and everything we're doing in LSYC is building that up. Yeah. You know, we're through music, yeah. but, but we're trying to help create great human beings yeah. who are going to be super successful in whatever they want to do. And it's been impactful for families too, because in parent meetings, I can say, you know, here's, here's the scuttlebutt in higher ed. Here's what we're seeing with students. Mm-hmm. Here's what we're doing at LSYC to help prepare your students for mm-hmm. your students for that. Mm-hmm. And I think they see the multiple um, positives that they, their students and their families get from something like yeah, LSYC. Yeah, that's great. Um, <clears throat> that's great. You know, you, we talked it with others in, on this podcast about things like youth sports and organized youth activities, right? I, I, and, and I would say, quite frankly, for me, it's a little bit more in my wheelhouse. I'll talk a little bit about seeing if you can make me a great singer. Yeah. Sometime we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. But um, other than, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah right. well, <laughs> it might be your biggest challenge yet. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of problems I feel again, Nate Daney talking in youth sports about just overbearing parents and things. Mm-hmm. Is that the same in, in 
quite, I, I don't get the sense that it is, but I, you know, probably it's, it's just different, right? It's really different. And, you know, um, I talk with my sister about, about this a lot. My sister is a division one head softball coach. Mm-hmm. And so she sees that mm-hmm. she sees what you're talking about. Yeah. And I see the flip side, mm-hmm. which is, um, not maybe not the flip side, but I see people, you know, the families who maybe overschedule their kids to a certain extent. And the priority is not for every family, but for many families is hockey mm-hmm. or basketball mm-hmm. or soccer mm-hmm. um, and not arts. Mm-hmm. And so Kara and I, my sister Kara, and I talk about this often um, and just think about the similarities between athletics and the fine arts and the work that we do through those venues, mm-hmm. but also the, the some of the kind of cultural differences mm-hmm. and societal differences, which I think you're hitting on. Yeah. 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 I, I just would get the sense it would just is kind of a different, yeah, a different, um, I don't say different type of family or different type of student, but I see my own kids, my own kids to have done athletics and arts. And I think they found a nice balance too. And, you know, kind of how arts it's, it's beyond just the singing, no different than it's beyond playing softball, exactly. right? I mean, the skills you learn and, and activities that you, that you do like make you a, a, a better person. Yeah. So it's, it's a holistic experience. Yeah. Talk about that as it relates to, you know, it gets so much right now in higher ed. It's, it's all about, you know, what's the return on investment and non arts related things. And, yeah. you know, we, I talk a bit about your philosophy on that. What do you tell families when they come in and they're so focused on, well, I, I need to be an accountant or I need to be a, you know, a nurse or whatever else. What, where's the arts role in that? Yeah, I think that you're hit, you're hitting on it. Arts role is that we are you know you're through these processes that you're that you're um, taking in a rehearsal or a practice, right? An athletics practice. This is these are conversations about grit. These are conversations about how do you have really difficult conversations if you're not having playing time, or if you have to go talk to your choir director about I've got this conflict, um, this time conflict. Yeah. Um, it's about yeah building all of these. Um, I guess what we call soft skills, even though I don't really love that term, um, so that we can be successful in whatever we're trying to do outside of college, whether that is being an accountant. And some people are going to come in and say, I want to be an accountant, and that's what they'll do. But some people are going to come in and say, I want to be an accountant, and then realize, I don't really want to be an accountant, yeah. but have the ability then to pivot and to make important decisions for their life as they move past this. My, I keep talking about my family, but my dad... Um, is a whole other podcast story in in a great way. Yeah. Um. But his current role is in he works for Nestle, the Nestle mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. And part of the work that he does is, and I don't know if he does this now, but he he did, um, working with their internship program. And so this is students who have graduated from college, and they have a like a six month internship program, paid yep. well, yep. Yeah. um, program where they learn how to be a part of the company. And he and I were talking about this one day and he said, you know, I don't care if this, if these people coming to me have business degrees, he's like, I actually would prefer that they have English degrees or humanities degrees in some way, because I want people who can think critically and communicate effectively and who can problem solve without having to come to me. You know, and what he did was he was listing off every single outcome of what it means to be in a liberal education. Mm -hmm. And he didn't know. I mean, he doesn't. He didn't know that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. But it was just so impactful because we are constantly hearing employers say, "These are the things we're looking for." 
communication skills, mm -hmm. teamwork skills, problem solving skills, mm -hmm. creative and critical thinking. And interestingly, families don't always think that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not mm -hmm. holding that against anybody, but yeah. it's just a it's a disconnect between what I think families and um, maybe our culture thinks higher ed should be for people from that return on investment perspective, and really what people, you know, employers mm -hmm. and the world, you know, from a civic standpoint is looking for. Right, right. Yeah, and you see that pressure going down beyond higher ed in the high schools now with decisions they make around arts and supporting arts and things along those lines, which is challenging. Yeah, yeah which is challenging. You talked a bit about, you know, the, the you've used the word formative a few different times, you know, the St. John's Youth Choir or Boys Choir being formative and other things. You said it formed the type of educator you wanted to be. What type of educator are you? I, I hope. Um, <laughs> I guess this could be a, 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 a poll for students. <laughs> yeah. But I hope I'm one who really does help students realize their potential. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like so often what I'm saying in choir rehearsals is, it's like, you can do this. And what I mean by that is, well, I'm saying a few things. You can do this. Um, what I mean by that is, really, each of our each of our abilities and possibilities, maybe they're not limitless, but we don't, we are not going to find the extent of where that limit is in a lot of ways, but we get scared. Mm -hmm. We get scared to jump in, in a singing, from a singing perspective, it's, you know, am I going to let my full voice be heard, mm -hmm. even though maybe it's not perfect, mm -hmm. maybe I've got this or that or whatever. And immediately that hesitancy to not let your voice out completely negatively affects your voice you're holding yourself back in that mm -hmm. moment mm -hmm. and and i think that's a life lesson mm -hmm. um the other thing that i often say is what i just said there is it, and this is not just a choir lesson this is a life lesson mm -hmm. you know <laughs> um sometimes it actually makes i'll be like and this is not just a choir lesson i'll make them say the rest yeah, you know but yeah. um and so that's what i think you know that's what i think is formative about music making i'll often say also, you know, to families and youth choir and to, to singers and the choirs. Like, very personally, of course, I like when chords are in tune. But that's not why I'm here, uh -huh. right? I also believe that if we unlock all of those things that make us nervous and we go 100% for something, we've got 40 people in Bella Voce who are giving everything they have, not holding themselves back, present, of course we're going to make great sounds. Like there's not another option. Um, so yeah, that, those are the results of, I mean, beautiful music making is the result of other things. Yeah. A lot of that resonates. I think it, it just, it's, well, first off, I'm just going to say this too about you. I mean, I, I get the sense, I don't know what type of educator you are. I haven't been in a classroom with you, but very inspirational. Like you bring an energy around you, Brett, that I think that it, it makes people believe they can reach that full potential, right? I mean, you're, 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 it's fun to be around you in, in that regard. I just need you to know Thank that. You. I want to say that. And, and what's hidden in that too, is I think with the lessons that I think I don't do choir lesson or music lesson, that is also a life lesson, but in anything in life, right? If you give you give it your all. You don't hold back. You allow yourself to be open to 
doing it the best you can do and as vibrantly as you can yeah. do it, you usually make good music at the end of exactly. it, right? Exactly. So it's it's just so that so resonates. Well, yeah. I think there's another piece. I completely agree, and I think there's another piece to this, which is, and this is, a, and uh, you know, this is something where I have to kind of think back. I think that this is something that the arts gives you, and maybe athletics. I, and I, you know, you know, I was in athletics, but I'm not in my kind of until you know academic yep. years. Yep. yep. Um. That you get in the arts you know you're going to fail yeah like i know i'm going to sing wrong notes yep. um but if i know that yep. and don't care yep. and say you know whatever saying blah blah, blah oh yep. that wasn't right yep. i also know that i have the ability to go back and figure that out yep. and i think so often with decision making processes with not just higher ed institutions just organizations and institutions in general we get so scared of that process of let's collectively go for this yeah. and we might screw it up a little bit yeah. but we've still taken huge steps forward you know if i sing 10 10 notes and one of those is wrong yeah yeah nine right <laughs> yeah i took a lot of steps forward in yeah, that process right and um yeah and again i think that's a life lesson right that mm -hmm that we all, a lot of times people are scared to even take the first to sing the first note mm -hmm. so we never find those nine right notes that we have mm -hmm. what yeah yeah how do you how do you as a music educator like because again I, my wheelhouse is more athletics right? i had an yeah. athletic background i sing in the car was in a play i mean i what so, do you sing in the car Oh, Who are you singing your yeah, it's all I, again I, back to my love for 80s music yeah. so i just saw i just saw a um a uh, journey kansas um who else was it there's a few other bands sticks and one other uh cover band who were amazing so now i'm on this journey yeah. kansas kick in the car where you know again nobody else in the car i let loose yeah. right <laughs> right but yeah that that's who i'm singing in the car no, that's but, amazing yeah but um you would have sorry not to interrupt yeah, no, no, go ahead. you would have like we used to have a what when like maybe my Third or fourth year here, we started a, like a vocal jazzy vocal pop group yeah. called Vocal Revolution. Yeah. And one of the medleys we did was a sticks medley. Oh, that'd be awesome. It was epic. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah. So uh, um, how do you, you know, the coaches, you know, you do something. Maybe it's the same. It's probably the same. It's there's so many similarities, mm. like you say, arts and, and 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 athletics. But if 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 you're if you're wrong, or you consistently do like, how do you take a voice and fix what's wrong like how how can how do you train for that do you train for that do you send your students away and say you need to do this training like what does that look like i i ask out of complete ignorance i don't know yeah i mean there's technical things that you can do and just just like a you know an, an athletics practice we spend time doing that both at the beginning of rehearsals mm -hmm. so um if i'm hearing collectively some sort of vocal technique issue or timbre issue that I want to fix, or things like that. I'll build it into our warmups for the day. Um, I think that you know, mm -hmm. drills is mm -hmm. would yeah. be a similar yeah, sure connection to that. Mm -hmm. And you you kind of hit that hard. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you're doing fundamentals constantly, right? And we do that too, yeah. like in in vocal warmups. There are some things that I do almost every day, yeah. just so that it becomes habitual. Yeah. Like from a tone perspective, a yeah. body perspective, what does this feel like? Yeah. Um, if there are specific specific issues 
Honestly, in choirs, I usually deal with it with, as the whole, unless it's something that's like real, yeah. really, really, really sticking out. Yep. Yep. But again, if people are kind of committing, we don't really have that. Yep. Um, I think one major difference between athletics and music, for the most part, is playing time. Yeah. In on a basketball team, yeah. you're fighting for playing time. Yeah. In choir, everyone's singing. That's right. And so there is something that's, I think, fundamentally different about that. Yep. But I also think that there is a, I mean, personally, I believe that there is a healthy amount of competition that people could have. Yeah. And that's a little bit harder to have in choir. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there um, particular um, students or musicians that stick out in your mind that you've worked with over the years and why? Oh, gosh, there's a lot. For a lot of different reasons. It's just like, as you said, that like, you know, from all all of my 15 years of teaching. Yeah. Um, and from many different groups. So for teaching, you know, like at the college or high school, or at top middle school and high school at Cathedral, or boys' choir and youth choir. Oh, gosh, there's just so many. Um, I think this, the singers that stick out are sometimes the really good, just natural talent singers. But the people that stick out in my mind the most are the ones that um, I don't know push push past possibility. They're the ones that are coming to me with new ideas, or I heard this. What if we try this piece? You know, the, they might not be the best singer in the group, but curious. they're the ones who are curious and engaged yeah. and connected, or the singers who send you an email after a concert and say i was struggling understanding the meaning of this piece yep. but in context in the concert yep. something clicked and here's what this meant to me yeah um those students and experiences stick out i mean i have i've had you know several students who go on and have professional singing careers in different yeah. ways yeah. um which is great or you know musical theater careers right, which right, is great right um but yeah there's a there's a lot i think it's, it's that piece though that like the students who take their choral experience their experience in whatever group it is to the next level in the, and they take it in their own hands yeah 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 it's interesting you could uh another question you could you could go see a a, a performer a mic and a person yeah who would you want to see Okay, this is so funny that you asked this question, because yesterday I did this radio interview, yeah. um, and the questions were all about, like, the first album I, I ever uh -huh. purchased, yeah. and, yeah. and you know, who, who's my kind of guilty pleasure artist, and things like that. <laughs> um, just a mic and a singer. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. I would think, so, the things that I'm drawn to from any performance... Mm -hmm are like the the connection between text and harmonic melodic intensity you know all these types of musical mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. like how are we connecting from that perspective and then how like the commitment level of 
that person doing it. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to just hear somebody, I mean, I this is not possible at this moment, but like from a pop perspective, I think it would be amazing to see somebody like Whitney Houston. Mm -hmm. Um, I, my guilty pleasure is Beyonce. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't even know if it can be a guilty. It can't really be a guilty, guilty pleasure. Just a like, pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. But you know, one of the things that I had talked about in this interview yesterday was that whenever I'm in a live performance, I I will be moved like emotionally moved mostly by the commitment of the person up there. Mm -hmm. So like when I go see, you know, a Broadway show or an off-Broadway show, mm -hmm. I, I mean, inevitably I will like, you know, yeah. have like this yeah. intense feeling. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not, maybe sometimes it's because of the story that they're telling, mm -hmm. but mostly it's because I'm thinking, you know, Let's say 50 actors, lights, sound, mm -hmm. instruments. I mean, every single thing, the set, every single thing that happens is perfect mm -hmm. when you go see those shows. Mm -hmm. Next level perfect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think about the amount of time it takes for each one of those people, time and talent, mm -hmm. um, and focus and collaboration. It takes each one of those people to get to that moment that I'm seeing. And they do it that well. Eight times a week, yeah, yeah. for years yeah. sometimes, and it's always that good. Yeah, and I love it's that intensity that I like am floored by. Yeah, there's another life lesson, right? Working together, collaboration to make something collectively yes as perfect as it can be. Yes, yeah, and the, and that yeah, that exactly that it's me doing my thing. Yeah, which is perfect for our individual individualistic society, yeah. but also what I'm doing has to support this bigger picture. Yeah. 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 And doing it together. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you, and I think you maybe answered in this too, but you know, is it challenging for you being around quality music a lot, whether you're helping to create that or you're around it so much that it's tough for you to enjoy performances because do you find yourself like, picking out good and bad or, or I mean, is, is it hard to turn off that educator or that, <laughs> I don't know, assessor in you when you go out to do these things? Yes. Maybe not that I'm assessing or judging necessarily, but it's, you know, it's, it's a weird thing between your work is also a passion. Mm -hmm. um, because it is sometimes also work. Yeah. And so I need, you know, personally, I kind of created structures around that. Like, I don't really listen to music in the car. Yeah. Um, or like, if I'm at the gym, I'm not, I'm listening to like the news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always thinking, yeah. what, like, well, I wonder what people think about <laughs> if they could hear what I'm hearing. Um, because I also, you know, I want to leave kind of the creative space open. Mm -hmm. um, but that's hard too, because you have to listen to music to keep getting better or yeah. finding new right things right right yeah if you weren't doing this right teaching music what would you be doing well i think that i mean that's kind of an interesting question now right because that's actually not the most that's not the biggest part of my job yeah that's true um and that's kind of an interesting thing i mean that's maybe a whole other conversation but just 
the perception of that particular thing that's very public yeah um is still there mm-hmm. for me versus what takes up the biggest part of my life which is being a dean yeah um so that's something sometimes i have to like i think about yeah um but what would i be doing well i mean a dream job this is really nerdy but i would i really would have loved to have like been on the news uh-huh. Uh-huh. um i think that that would be an interesting job where you get to i mean i do think there's something brilliant about these these um news anchors or i don't know what you call them where they can go from hard news yeah. and then an hour and a half later they're like having conversations with celebrities <laughs> about whatever <laughs> you know like there's something kind yeah. of impressive about yeah. that yeah um i think i would have liked to do that yeah i think you would been good at that too yeah Maybe it's my time. I don't know. I think you'd be good at a lot. So I, I did again. I just love the energy, and I always like if I could go, if I go back to your high school or your neighborhood and be like, you know, is was he always, you know, this again, just inspirational and positive. I mean, it's just really fun to hear hear that story. I appreciate you. you sharing it. Yeah, I've been peppering you for about you know almost forty minutes now. Let's turn the tables a little bit. Minutes. What questions do you have for me? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so I guess my first question for you is. How's it going? I mean, are you staying sane? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I've had that question asked in a variety of different ways through the <laughs> nine or ten of these that we've done now. And yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's a lot like you, right? I mean, you, there's so much always to do, right? I mean, there's always, I mean, in, in society, it's kind of built itself that way, right? We yeah. always run, we run, we run. Um, so, you know, that is whether it's here or anywhere else. I mean, that's just part of the deal, right? But you know, it's it's the people, the connections, the students. Um, you know, I was able to stand up in front of your, you know, choir a few yeah, weeks ago, and you know, you just look at them, and how can you not yeah. be inspired to run hard and do work for them when you're in front of them, right? I mean, yeah. they are amazing young people who are dealing with things and um, navigating life in a world that is so vastly different than when you and I, I yeah. think, we're going through, and just give them so much credit for all of that. So. Yeah, you know, it's there's a lot. I mean, it's challenging. Higher ed is challenging right now. You know, trying to battle all of the, you know, the the um, external voices about is it worth it? Is it you know all of that? Yeah, it's challenging. But um, you know, for me fundamentally, I just feel like again, I was, I I was placed here for a reason. We were placed in these professions for a reason, and you know, others draft off of our leadership as a dean or as a VP they draft off of our leadership and how we handle things. So it's going well. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, the experience, the rest of it, always being on a college campus and everything that goes on here, I say, you know, going to concerts or, you know, sporting event or a lecture or something like that makes the rest of the job tolerable. Unfortunately, there's plenty of those opportunities for us. Here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was driving up the other day to school and I was thinking about, you know, the realities of higher education mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in our country right now and, you know, a lot of small privates and all of, all of these things. And I was, as I was driving, I was like, we got this. Mm-hmm. You know, we can, there is something special at a place like the College of St. Scholastica mm-hmm. um, that, and maybe this is kind of what I was saying before, and I don't, I, I want to know what you think about this, but you know, because, you, you know, you're newer, so you have a, a different lens. Um, you know, I mentioned kind of being scared to sing that first note. Yeah. To get it wrong. Yeah. I think collectively, students, faculty, staff, 
deans and everybody um, can feel comfortable to start singing. Uh -huh. uh, because I think there's a nervousness yeah. from everybody, right? Students in finances yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, COVID and their experience in high schools, faculty, staff, you know, all of these. But we can go for it. And I mean, what's your sense? Maybe I'm not making sense. Of that I, you know, to tie it to, again, the work and what we've been talking about with performances and things, right? Um, if, if, if I, if Crazy in Love comes on the radio, right? I know it and I'm, and I'm good. I can let her rip right off the bat yeah. and there's no hesitation jumping in, right? We don't know what the volatility of higher ed or anything in life. You don't know what's around the corner, nope. um, right? Life is full of curveballs, right? So you have to deal with them. I'm sure, you know, your musicians and, and your, your students, you'll hand them a piece of music in the beginning of the semester and they may look at it and be like, what in the world am <laughs> I looking at here? Right. I mean, they don't know it, but you, but but you 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 don't don't be afraid to jump in right. You're gonna sing five notes wrong, but you're gonna get five right out of the ten. Then it's gonna turn to seven and three. Then it's gonna turn to nine to one, and then yeah. all of a sudden it's gonna be like wow, <laughs> yeah. you know that was exactly it. So I do think, um, I do think you the, the courage of jumping in so that it does become after time crazy in love where it's, boom, yeah. you hit it and you love it and you're passionate about it and you can hear it a hundred times and the hundredth time is just as fun as the 50th time. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I think that's for me, that's it, but you're right. And I, I've, I've just, we just had a meeting today with our student affairs staff where I said, you know, I think institutions that have the ability to do exactly what you're talking about will come out of the other side of whatever this post COVID world, however long we use that phrase battered, but, they'll be through it yeah. and others that don't have that ability will not make it through. And that's, that's the challenge right now for us. I think we have the ability to make it through. I think we have the right people, the right mix, some old, some new now where, you know, the energy is there certainly. So it's very optimistic amongst all of the doom and gloom and we're all our own batteredness yeah. because the last couple of years, even personally for all of us has been really punishing, right. it's, especially I think people one like us who loving around people and, you know, all of that. You didn't, you didn't get to perform in the same way. Your groups didn't get to perform in the same way for a long time. That's right. That's exactly right. So what do you see? I think one of the things I sometimes struggle with um, is, you know, how do you see your role as a leader in what we're talking about here? Mm -hmm. Because really that, you know, that process it takes all of us mm -hmm. and it can't just be leader mm -hmm. or, yeah. uh, you know, a few people. Yeah. Um, and I'm not suggesting that that's the case, but but how, you know how do we see our your how do you see your role as a leader? In yeah, I try to be a I try to be a disciple of servant leadership. So I'm big in like you know again um, demonstrating, stepping forward, being a part of that process, not dictating or you know not being a mythical creature in some office somewhere that shows up for events or a welcome and then is gone. Right. I mean, yeah. so I think being present. I think being honest in communication, like, you know, nowadays people, they want information and they want it quick because everywhere you go, right? I mean, it, it's everywhere. Something happens. I can go to Twitter in five minutes, not even, but probably one minute I know what's going on. Less than a minute I know what's going yeah. on. So transparency, trust building, um, I think, you know, servant, being a servant leader, being out front, you know, setting the tone, those kinds of things. 
knocking down obstacles for people and then letting people do the good work they know how to do. Those are some things I think immediately that come that come to mind. And um, um, I think those have been skills. I think that I probably had the seeds of that and had the right mentors along the way to nurture that and grow that to put me in positions that I've been in. But I think here, especially stability, trust building, um, example, setting a good example, tone, those kinds of things, just being visible. Um, it takes no talent to be visible and do some of those things, but it does take time and it takes focus and effort. So that's how kind of I, I look at it. Yeah, I think I think that's brilliant. I love when you said like removing barriers for people, mm-hmm. and whether that's a perceived barrier or an actual right. barrier, right? right? Like right. those can be, that can be the biggest thing for folks to feel like, to keep going back to this, like their voice can be heard. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, that's and, right. you know, one of the things that I often think about um, at a place like CSS and probably many places mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, is just that really we, Organizations often rely on many people, maybe most people, giving more of themselves than a job description. Yeah. And as soon as that goes away, Mm -hmm. as soon as people are doing their job, Mm -hmm. we lose that something special. Yeah, I would agree. And, um, And I think part of how we cultivate that is... You know what you said, allowing yeah. people uh, rem- as leaders, removing barriers, yeah. allowing people to do their best work, yeah. hearing them when yeah. they say, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I'm not able to do my best work and here's why. Yeah. Um, and then trying to remove that barrier. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I think that that's one of the biggest things that we can do in our space. Yeah. Personally. Once had a leader tell me that you know, you're too close to your people. And, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that can be disruptive and not okay. But on the flip side, <laughs> I think you know if you're not if you're if you're not if you don't share that type of relationship, if you don't share that ability. It's very difficult, right? I don't bust into President McDonald's office, the president here, on a daily basis and tell her all the things she's doing wrong, right? right. Um, but to have the ability to have a conversation and the and the trust in knowing you can do that. I mean, I have that and try to create that for individuals. And then when you're new, everybody's kind of a little bit like, how much of my guard do I put down? Is this person for real? Is this, you know, all of that. So that's been, you know, it's always a new job. It's interesting to navigate that. But, you know, fundamentally, the people, the place, the location, I mean, all of those kinds of things. I mean, it's a beautiful place to to live. You look out the window today and it's snowing again, <laughs> um, which some people would say isn't, you know, all that great. But I mean, there's a beauty about where we're physically located as well. And that's just, all of that together makes it intriguing to want to answer the call to be here. And mm-hmm. then, you know, and then we go forward. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What do you, I mean, what are you finding in terms of the community here? in general mm-hmm. what are you how are you finding that how are you is it easy to kind of slip into one of the things i've heard about duluth yeah is that it's hard to break in a little bit yeah well we're still transitioning from a from a family standpoint because again we're you know moving from st cloud we've got a son that's a senior back there right. and you know so so we haven't fully integrated quite yet and it's it's gonna be weird for us transitioning too because we're gonna be empty nesters. So just mm-hmm. my wife and I, 
Um, so, you know, how much we break in, where we want to break in, what that looks like, you know, I, again, yet to be seen. But, you know, we lived in a town. I, I actually moved to the town I grew up in, which is kind of weird. Um, there were still days where I drove down. I'm like, what am I doing, you know, back in Howard's Grove, Wisconsin, yeah. where I grew up? Turned out to be a wonderful place. But again, it was a community where because I was from there. Uh, oh, Nate, I know Nate. Yep. It was easy. You know, it'll be interesting here to see St. Cloud. When we moved to St. Cloud, I would say, you know, as lifelong Wisconsinites and outsiders and when they saw Packer stuff up in our yard, right? I mean, that didn't help anything with uh, with the welcome. But I, I think you just have to find, it's like college students too. I mean, if I practice what we preach to college students on a student affairs side, right? Um, be vulnerable, take the time, yeah. find there are others who are transitioning to the area who feel the same way you do. You'll find them, yeah. you know, get involved, be active and, and, and you'll find your place. And it, I think for us, we'll find that, you know, with whether it's a, a, a parish community or, you know, even the, the great thing is people here are so well connected. Like, yeah. but I mean, I can know I could come to you and ask a question about the community and you know it and you would point us with people, like-minded people who would resonate with us and we would resonate with them. Yeah. So that's been great um, about this community and, and that transition. People have been so wonderful about saying, okay, when you get up here, make sure you do this, this, and that. And these people and just in the, that's right. Actually, that's one of my favorite things to do is when, um, when people come to town, you know, whether it's here through CSS or for other reasons that we might get to know them is to immediately get them connected in every way that I can possibly think. Yeah. Um, because, you know, even though I sometimes heard maybe it's a little bit difficult to break in, my experience was actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. And and Alex's, my partner Alex, mm -hmm. our experience was the opposite where I feel like Duluth, you know, from a community standpoint and here at CSS, this is where I think it's such a great place. Yeah. Um, if you want to try it, you can do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you if you can dream it, yeah. you can do it here for the most part. Yeah. Um, now there's not, you know, like a huge, we're coming, we came from Seattle, you know, millions of people. Yeah. There's not that sheer number of people to kind of like support that. Right. But if if you want to do it, there's going to be community members here who want to see you succeed. Yeah. I think the older I get too, you know, there used to be where it's like, let's find my people and then cluster together. And, you know, that's kind of what you did. I think just over time, like the last, I don't know, the last five, six years, just with so many other stuff going on in the world, like. I don't have time for ugliness in the world. Like it, that drives me crazy. Like life is way too short. And the older I get, like, I don't have time, I don't have much more time. I have less time on the earth than what I've had thus far. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And to experience different things or new things or, um, you know, go to different activities that I normally wouldn't go to out of fear or whatever. I mean, it's like the world has changed. And I think there's always going to be a spot for, ugly people, I'll just use that term, right? Not yeah. physically ugly. I yeah. might belong with them too, but no, I, ugly this, but, you know, ugly people, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, talking about. Sure. Like, let them do whatever they need to do. I'm not going to let that stop me from having experiences that, you know, again, I want to have an experience and just witness and see, see people enjoying life and the region and the area that we have. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So finding those opportunities. Yeah, I agree completely. I always say this to students when we're talking about something very similar, this yeah. idea um, that I used to listen to Oprah's podcast. Yeah. And Oprah called that low frequency folks or yeah. high frequency yeah. folks. And yeah. that, you know, you can get sucked into low frequency pretty yeah. easily. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I always like that. Low yeah. Frequency. Yeah. Um, 
I, I don't want to like overstay no, no, we're my welcome. No, they're good. You're gonna we're kick, still in good time. Okay, okay. Yeah. You're, you're kicking me up too soon. <laughs> um, you know, I think one of the things that I am always intrigued by for anybody in higher ed mm-hmm. is how you got to the place that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned kind of my weird winding path. Mm-hmm. And I think for students, if they're listening to this, yeah. um, you know, and I, again, I don't know where you were, but I remember thinking, 22, I'm going to do this thing my whole life. Yep. And um, luckily, I was given just so many doors that were opened in different places and people who um, welcomed me through those doors or pushed me through those mm-hmm. doors, whatever it was, mm-hmm. to a place where, I mean, I never thought I'd be a dean. Yeah. Right. And I, and so in this, in a certain sense, it's like, I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm learning a lot. I also don't have any clue what's next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, how'd you get here? And yeah, I think it was people recognizing, I I think the, the foundation of uh, somebody who has the ability to, I think what I've been told anyway, to think big picture, to motivate, to, problem solve, to work hard, you know, work ethic. Um, and there's a few folks, I mean, I go back to my first job was picking stones on a family farm, right? And, um, but that taught me hard work. It taught me dedication. It taught me the impact of decisions you have on a broader community environment, all mm-hmm. of those kinds of things. So, you know, the Wunsch family who hired me and, and did all that work and support and treated me as a single single parent family. My mom worked a ton, like wasn't around much. Like I ate most of my meals in their kitchen, mm. um, you know, those kinds of things. Um, they kept me going, I think, in the right direction and provided, I think, a foundation for family for me that I still rely an awful lot on today. Not that my own, you know, mother and father didn't do it, but it was different. It was complicated. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think of that, I think of Jim Wiseman, who took a chance on a really raw rough college kid who gave a ton of tours in the admission office and said, Hey, did you ever think about working in admission? I'm like, well, if you're offering me a job, I am. Right. And I thought I'd do it for a year or two and then get a real job. And, you know, then it was, you know, gaining all those experiences and Al Mitchler who gave me my first director position and leadership position, um, you know, and, and, and fostered that to, you know, Mary Hinton at St. Ben's and St. John's, who was just an amazing uh, woman president and, and just, you know, offer me the experience to see women's higher ed and men's higher ed separately, but yet that togetherness mm-hmm. at St. Ben's and St. John's that you know well, having mm-hmm. gone there, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's this conglomeration of experiences, I think, and people that recognize something in me that maybe I didn't know that I had. And that's the beauty of the work that we get to do mm-hmm. is we get to be around young people who are having those same mental challenges and obstacles and hurdles and say, you have the ability to be great. Don't sell yourself short. Like it's hard. We can support you. We're here for you, but you can do this. And then they go off and they do something wonderful. And the beauty of social media, it's probably too much of a time suck for me. It's probably my guilty pleasure, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, outside of things, but I love staying connected to students that are now, you know, I have some now that are in their forties yeah. um, that are, that are off doing great things. And, and it's just fun to do that. You know, I mean, I make Santa calls during the holiday season of one of my old mentors in college did. So I'm like calling now kids of students that I enrolled who, you know, I think I had a conduct meeting with you because you were a knucklehead. And now, <laughs> now you're raising a family and I'm calling your kids and it's just wonderful. Right. I mean, 
I, that's that's just so much. That's the fun of this work. And You're like, this is Santa. How did you get so much better than your dad? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, your dad is on the naughty list for the last, you know, 30 years. But, you know, it's that stuff, Brad. I mean, it's stuff you get to, to see, too. And, you know, we, we just have we have this we've been given this gift to have an impact on people's lives and um, um, and change the trajectory of their life. And that's that's what it's all about. You know, that's what it's all about. I actually think that that's, you know, you said students, in, which I completely agree. I also think for faculty and staff mm -hmm. that, you know, um, one of the greatest things that we can do as leaders is help when they want create new leaders, right. you know, and I think sometimes that can be scary for certain folks because they may look at this as a zero sum game. Yeah. Um, but it's not. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. We can all we can all be good. Yeah. We can all be finding our passions and pushing and yeah that's right and i think that's a cool part about our jobs too yeah that's right that's right seems like a good place to end that's awesome and we're you know we're just about in an hour so we're staying true to the true to the true to the uh the podcast name today so brett thanks for being just a great colleague and and like i said just a great i think a beacon of, of light on this hill for our students and the work that you do i mean you really Again, for, at least from my perspective, right? I really are amazing, and that inspiration that you give is is just uh, it's it's uh, motivating for me to want to do that as well in my work. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. Thanks for yeah. your leadership. I mean, I think something like this is a great way to get to know you better, yeah. which is fun. Yeah, and also, yeah, shine light on the greatness that we have in our community. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And that's hopefully what people are getting out of it. So thanks. We're going to be back next week. Um, now that we're back in the routine again, we, we're, we're back on a schedule. It's, it's going to be good. But Brett, thanks for being here. And that's an hour from Teller. We'll catch you next week.